Welcome to this special midweek edition of the Southcrest Live podcast featuring the teaching of Dr. David Wilson. If this is your first time to listen, be sure to connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. And thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this message from our Wednesday night series. Good evening, Southcrest. I'm glad that you've uh, chosen to join us this evening as we uh, are looking at God's Word, and I hope that you're having a good week. I, I know that um, it's beginning to get old, not being able to get out and get around and get together, but at least we have this opportunity to study God's Word. You need to remember that you're not alone. You need to remember that the Lord's here, the Lord's with us, and that you're part of a bigger group, a bigger church, and the church of, of Jesus. Um, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, and if you have your Bibles, open them. I want to begin reading in verse 18. Now, if you're joining us and you haven't been coming on Wednesday night, we're walking verse by verse through Ephesians. I had someone comment to me this week. They were surprised at the subject I covered last week right before Easter. Well, we're just going verse by verse through Ephesians, and this is where we are. We're going to pick up in verse 18, where the scripture says, and be, do not be drunk with wine. And we talked about that last week. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's begin by having prayer, and then we're going to look at God's word together. Lord, we thank you that you have put your spirit in our hearts and lives, and that you indwell us. We ask that you help us to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit and to be walking in the Spirit. We pray for people that are listening right now that you would uh, just bless them and encourage them. And we pray for protection over our church family that you would uh, keep them safe. And now, Lord, as we look at your word, would you just bind our hearts together and, and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Marilyn Bader of Salt Lake City, Utah, wrote in the Christian Herald one year, she said this, I know Bible metaphors are sometimes lost on children, and I temporarily forgot the day that my three-year-old voluntarily said during lunch, I got Jesus in my heart. That's great, I replied. It makes me happy to know you love Jesus like Daddy and I do, she said. He took a few more bites of his peanut butter and jelly sandwich before asking, does daddy got Jesus in his heart? And I said, of course he does. And he said, I thought so. In a moment, a cloud passed over his normally cheerful face and he climbed off the chair and he came over to my side, looked in my face and said, I wish Jesus was in your heart too. 
And I thought, what had I done or said to make him think I wasn't a Christian? I ran down a mental checklist of possible transgressions. Had I scolded him unjustly or yelled at him or ignored his needs? But nothing came to mind. And trying to sound as natural as possible, I asked, why do you think Jesus isn't in my heart? And his big brown eyes shifted to my abdomen then in the eighth month of pregnancy. Well, mom, that baby's getting so big in there, there's no room for anyone else in there. It's amazing how literal-minded children think. Well, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in our life this evening. Without this verse in Ephesians, everything else would seem legalistic. Because how would you walk in love? How would you walk in as light? How would you walk in wisdom and do all of the other things that the Ephesians were asked to do with, if you didn't have the Holy Spirit, you'd have to do it in your own flesh. We're told to walk in humility, in unity, separation from the world. We're told to walk in light and love and wisdom. But the way of the flesh is characterized by the pagan religion out of which many of the Ephesian believers had come. The way of the flesh is pride and immorality and greed and idolatry and confusion, falsehood. It's the way of darkness and the way of foolishness. And in these verses, Paul gives the contrast to that. He said, you used to walk this way, but now you're going to walk as children of light, as children filled with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit and has the potential to receive the fulfillment of all of Christ's promises to those who belong to him. But no Christian will have those promises if they're not under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's why I've entitled this Living Under the Influence. Now, when I say D-U-I, you think of driving under the influence. Well, L-U-I, living under the influence, or another word is spiritual intoxication. Now, some people call on God in, only in an emergency, only in a time of need. They treat the Holy Spirit almost like a genie that you rub on the bottle and the genie comes out and I need help. Or in the back of your mind, the Holy Spirit is there sort of like the spare tire in your car. I read of a man who was raised in the city and he decided he wanted to have a farm. So he sold his place in the city and he moved to a farm and he bought a cow. And shortly after he did, the cow went dry. So he went to his neighbor and he said, my cow has gone dry. And the neighbor farmer expressed surprise. And the man said, well, I'm surprised too, because I treated this cow as kindly as I possibly could. If, if there was ever a person that was considerate of an animal, I was considerate of that cow. If I didn't need any milk, I didn't milk her. And if I only needed a quart, I only took a quart. Well, the neighborhood farmer began to explain, said the only way to keep the milk flowing from a cow is to take as much as possible as you can every day. 
It's also true of the Christian life. Those who only turn to God in need miss the real joy that flows from the infilling of the Holy Spirit in their daily life. So let's talk for a moment about, the, about living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the meaning of being filled with the Spirit. And before we look at what it means, let's talk about what it's not. It is not a dramatic, mysterious experience of suddenly being energized and spiritualized into a permanent state of advanced spirituality. Or it's not a second blessing after your salvation. It's not some temporary zap that results in some kind of ecstatic speech or weird behavior or unearthly visions. That's not what it is. It's not the notion at the other extreme of simply stoically trying to do what God wants us to do and hope the Holy Spirit will stamp it, of, give its stamp of approval, his stamp of approval. It's not an act of the flesh which is acting, asking God's approval. It's not a process of progressively receiving him by degrees or doses. Every Christian is not only possessed, that not only possesses the Holy Spirit, but possesses him in his fullness. God does not parcel out his spirit in our life. In fact, in John 3:34, Jesus said he gives the spirit without measure. So he's not just giving it to you in degrees. You're not, you're not getting a little at a time. You have the Holy Spirit in his fullness indwelling you. I did read somewhere of an evangelist who promised one time, he said, we're going to fill you so full of the Holy Spirit that if a mosquito bites you, he's going to fly off singing, there's power in the blood. You do not get the Holy Spirit by degrees. It's not the same as the baptism of the Spirit because every believer, every child of God, every Christian has been baptized with and receive the Holy Spirit when they committed their life to the Lord. Although its results are experienced and enjoyed, the results of our being filled, did you know being baptized and receiving the Spirit are not necessary realities that you feel? You don't go by feelings, you go by faith. I trust my life with Christ. I'm filled with his Spirit. They're not just reserved for some specially blessed believer. This is a spiritual reality for all Christians. Whether you realize it or not, it occurs when you give your life to Christ. It's also not the same as being sealed with the Spirit or being secured by him. That is a fact. In fact, in, verse, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 13, it says, in him, Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Being filled is not the same as being sealed or indwelt by the Spirit. You may think every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit all the time, but that's not necessarily true. So what is the meaning the filling of Holy Spirit is being under the influence of the Spirit, not being indwelt by the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit if you've made a commitment to Christ. 
We, we, when we say, I want Jesus to live in my heart, we're saying, I want the Holy Spirit to indwell me. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God indwells us. And you may think, well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. Not necessarily. You have the Holy Spirit living in you all the time, but you're not necessarily under the influence or filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul commanded Christians in Ephesus to be filled. And, in, and when you read in the book of Acts, sometimes Paul would tell Christians who were indwelt by the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The same ones who were, had the Holy Spirit in them, he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not the same as being indwelt. When you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit did come take residence in your life. He will never leave you. And you may have been filled with the Spirit when you were indwelt by the Spirit the night, the day that you gave your life to Jesus. But many Christians today are not filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not the same as being indwelt. I use that phrase under the influence intentionally because what do you think of when I say someone's under the influence? You think somebody's drunk. Why do you think Paul used that analogy? He didn't say don't lie, but be filled with the spirit and don't cheat or don't commit adultery or whatever. He, he said, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be under the influence of alcohol or don't be under the influence of another substance. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's why the analogy is made that way. And it's because there's both a comparison and a contrast. The comparison is this. I've never been drunk, but I know that if you're going to stay drunk, you've got to keep drinking. To be filled with the Spirit, you've got to keep being filled. The contrast is, Paul is saying, instead of being under the influence of anything of the world, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So there's a comparison and there's a contrast. There are some similarities. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were in the upper room, were filled with the Holy Spirit, the scripture says they spoke in tongues, other languages is the word, as the Spirit gave them utterance, and when they went out on the streets and began to testify and to witness and began to preach, the onlookers said, these people are drunk. And Peter had to defend them and say, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're not under the influence of wine. They're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so there's the similarity. So when you're filled with the Spirit, you're under the influence of the Spirit. Let's look at the mandate to be filled. Some people think, well, being filled with the Spirit is for preachers or missionaries or evangelists. But for the common, ordinary Christian sitting in the pew, sometimes they feel like it's an option, sort of like a, an option on an automobile. I can take it or leave it. But folks, it's a command. Some of you are proud that you've never committed adultery and you're proud that you're not a thief or you're not a liar. But did you know not to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit is a sin? Why? Because we're commanded to be. There's several things I want you to notice. First of all, it is an imperative. 
It's in the imperative mode. This is not a calm, casual, polite suggestion. It is a firm, straightforward command. We have more freedom. We have no freedom to ignore this duty than we do to overlook the, all the other ethical things that we're told not to do and to do in the book of Ephesians. We're surrounded by things like work hard and speak the truth and be kind and forgive. But the imperative mood demands obedience. I can tell you from a fact that when I was a kid, still living at home, I knew the difference between a suggestion and an imperative. If my parents gave me an imperative, there were some results behind it if I didn't do it. The suggestion was I could take it or leave it. Well, the filling of the Holy Spirit is a command. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled. It's the Greek word plerao, which is an imperative sense, which means an absolute command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. No Christian can fulfill God's will for his life apart from being filled with the Spirit. If we do not obey this command, you're not going to obey any other command simply because we cannot do any of God's will apart from his spirit. And the fact that when I use the word command, it reminds us that we are subject to divine authority. We're called to be obedient. Some people today say, well, all just being saved is all that matters. Just being in the kingdom is all that matters. And obedience gets you a little extra credit. no. The Lord said, you take up your cross and follow me. You're, and, and he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. And he gives us the power to do that through the Holy Spirit. Not only is it an imperative, it's inclusive. It's in the plural form. It's not directed to one special group of people. Or one super spiritual saint in the church at Ephesus. He's saying it to all of us. All Christians, individually and collectively. We are the universal body of Christ. We must and are commanded and all of us are asked, are told, are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. Sometimes you'll have people say, well, you know, I'm one of those special ones. I've been filled. No, I want to tell you something. If you're a child of God, you've been filled. I mean, you've been, you've been indwelt. Now, the, and now I should say you've been indwelt. You're commanded to be filled with the Spirit. All of us. It's also intentional. It's a passive voice, which means that you receive the action. You are filled by someone else. You don't fill yourself with the Spirit. As a person gets drunk by drinking alcohol, an individual is filled with the Spirit by involving himself or in the process that leads to it. A person cannot be filled with the Spirit having known and unconfessed sin present within them. You can't be in the, under the influence of the Holy Spirit while at the same time being disobedient to God. And so a person cannot be filled with the Spirit while walking against God's will depending upon their own strength. It doesn't make any sense if I say I'm going to love Jesus, I'm going to follow him, but I'm in direct conflict of his word. The Holy Spirit's going to say, wait a minute, I don't know what to do with this because that's not right. 
I'm leading you to follow God's word. I'm leading you to be obedient. But here you are contradicting it. You're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We see the controlling work of the Holy Spirit even in Jesus' life as he ministered while he was here in the flesh. The Christian, the, we could compare ourselves to a glove. A glove is designed to do work. You have gloves at home, different kinds of gloves for different purposes, and they're designed to do work, but they can do no work by themselves. Has to be filled with your hand has to be filled in order to give it life. And that is exactly what he's talking about. Plerao means more than filling something up as when someone pours water in a glass. But it also has three additional senses to it, three additional meanings. The word plerao, to be filled, it was often used to speak of wind when it filled a sail carrying the ship along. To be filled with the Spirit, it means to be moved along in our Christian life by God himself. Second Peter 1.21 talked about the writers of Scripture who were moved by the Holy Spirit. God moves us. He, he helps us sail along. He, he guides us. He prompts us. That's under the influence. Another meaning of that word, it, it carried the idea of permeation and was used of salt permeating meat in order to flavor it and preserve it. God wants to let his spirit permeate the lives of his children so that everything we say and do will reflect his divine presence, to have that consciousness. It's said that of a certain guide years ago that lived in the deserts of Arabia who never got lost out in the desert and his secret was that he carried a homing pigeon with a very fine cord tied around its leg. Now, pigeons are amazing. Homing pigeons are, or dove. You, you, they can always go back home no matter where you release them. But when this guide would be in doubt of which way to go, he would release this dove and hold on to the cord and the, the dove would immediately go towards home. So he knew where he was. He actually got the name, the dove man. Well, the Holy Spirit, the heavenly dove, is willing and able to direct us the direction we're supposed to go. Always back to God. Always through him. And the third meaning is it has the idea of total control. The person who is filled with sorrow, like in John 16, 6, is no longer under his own control, but is totally controlled by emotion. Emotions can control us. Fear, Luke 5, 26, or anger, Luke 6, 11, or faith, Acts 6, 5, or even Satan, Acts 5, 3. No longer controls us, but we're under the control of the Holy Spirit. We want him to have total control. And so to be filled means that we're under his influence. He guides us along. He points us back toward God and he controls us. But it's also incessant, continuous. It's in the present tense, continuously appropriating. Now, I want you to listen carefully to me because somebody's going to confuse you one day 
They're going to come up to you and say, you know what? Have you had the baptism? Have you had the experience? Have you had the, the feeling? It's some great high and mighty once in a lifetime moment where you experience the fullness of the spirit. And from then on, you're on an all time high that never wanes. That's not true. You may have some high moments, but you're not going to stay there because it's written in present tense, which means continuously be filled with the Spirit. Keep on being filled. Our prayer should be, Lord, fill me for this moment. Fill me for this hour or this day or this challenge. It's, it's like saying, Lord, I want to be filled. I want to be used. I want to be available. I deliberately and consciously make myself dependent upon you. It is a repeated experience for spiritual employment, not a one-time experience for self-enjoyment. I'm going to say that again. It's a repeated experience for spiritual employment to do what we're supposed to do, not a one-time experience for self-enjoyment. Some folks try to make you feel like you're less than normal if you don't do what they do. Here you are down here, bless your heart, but I'm way up here because of the Holy Spirit. They act like it's a one-time experience that gives you all kinds of giddy feelings. They're more interested in the feeling than they are the filling of the Spirit. More than one time I've had people say, well, I used to be a Baptist. They don't have to say any more. I know exactly what they're thinking. They're thinking, well, bless your heart, David Wilson. You're still down here on this pitiful little plane, and you just hadn't experienced what I've experienced. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Spirit's feeling is like walking. When we're very little and we're learning to walk, every step is a conscious effort and a magnificent achievement. You've got parents there clapping you on. Hey, look, they took a step. Yay. <laughs> but soon we learn that we link two or three steps together and then we fall. And then before long, we're, we're reaching four or five. And then by the time we're four or five years old, we're walking, not even thinking about it anymore. Well, walking has simply become a part of life. And as we experience the Holy Spirit's filling we are, a con it's, it's in our, it becomes part of our consciousness. We begin deliberately and slowly and carefully, but it begins to become part of our life. Now, have you ever had somebody tell you, well, you need to have an experience like mine? All right, I, I challenge you to do this sometime. Take your Bible and read Acts chapters 8, 9, and 10. And you're going to find that God is a God of variety and he can do it in different ways. For example, in Acts chapter 8, the Christians at Samaria heard the gospel. Philip preached it and they were saved and then they were baptized with water and then Peter and John come on down from Jerusalem, lay hands on them and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the sequence there? Salvation, water baptism, 
filled with the Spirit. And some people say, well, see there, Acts chapter 8, it's a second blessing. You get saved and baptized, and then you get it later. They only take chapter 8. But then you go to chapter 9. Uh-oh. It's a little different. Saul, who later becomes Paul, is on the road to Damascus. He sees a shining light. God knocks him down. Paul looks up into the face of the Lord and says, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I think that's the moment that he came to faith in Jesus. He was blinded, so he was saved. Then he went into the city. Ananias comes and lays hands on him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he was later baptized with water. So it's a whole different sequence there in Acts chapter 8. Then in Acts chapter 8 and chapter 9, it's salvation, filling of the Holy Spirit, then water baptism. And if you really want to be really confused, go to chapter 10. Because in chapter 10, Cornelius was at Caesarea when the apostle comes and preaches to them. And the Bible says very clearly that they were saved, filled with the Holy Spirit simultaneously, and later baptized in water. So what am I getting at here? Well, first of all, you need to be real careful comparing everything to the birth and formation of the early church. But also, don't try to put God in a box and tell him he has to do it exactly like this. God is a God of variety, and just because someone else has had some kind of experience does not mean you have to have the same one. You've got to pray this and be filled with the Spirit, and you're going to do this. The three men that Jesus healed that were blind. Can you imagine if they were here today what they would say to us? One would say, I was blind. Jesus touched me once and I can see. And and to be right with God, you have to be touched once. The second guy steps up and says, well, I'm sorry to disagree, but he's wrong. I was blind. Jesus touched me once and I saw men as trees walking and he touched me twice and now I can see. If you really want to be orthodox, you got to be touched twice. Third guy steps up and says, they're both wrong. I was blind. Jesus spit in the dirt, made clay, daubed it on my eyes, told me to go down to the pool of Siloam and wash it off. And if you really want to be right with God, you have to have that kind of experience. Vance Habner said, if those three guys were around today, we'd have three, two, three new churches before Friday. The once-touched church, the twice-touched church, and the spit-in-the-eye church. And that's true. There are a lot of people say, well, you can't be as spiritual as I am because you did not have this experience that I had. Let me tell you something. If you have repented of your sin, turned, changed your mind, come away from it, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you, And whatever experiences you have as a result of that doesn't mean everybody on earth is going to have the same one. We're saved the same way, but the emotions and the other things that come with that can be different from people. My word, you ought to see people in church on Sundays. You're talking about a gamut of emotions. There are some who are excited. There are some who are dead. They look like it. They're not dead, but they... They don't have any emotions. If they're caught on fire, they just say, I'm on fire. And there are others be screaming, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. Well, see, people have different emotions. But you cannot have people pigeonhole you in a certain experience when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, 
Let's talk about the means or the way to be filled with spirit. How does it happen? If God commands it, he provides a way for it to happen. And if God commands us something of us, we do not have to pray for it. You don't have to be prayed. You don't have to pray, Lord, do you want me to be filled with the Spirit? No, God said, yes, I'm commanding you to do it. So to be filled with the Spirit involves confession of sin and surrender of our will and our intellect and our body and our time, our talent, everything about us. It requires the death of self. When we die to ourselves, we're like John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. So what does that mean? Paul's command to the Colossians, and we're studying Colossians on Sunday, but in Colossians 3, listen, listen to the similarity. Let the word of Christ dwell. Well, first of all, let me back up and read Ephesians. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to, listen to Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. They sound very similar, don't they? In both cases, singing, giving thanks, submissiveness followed by being filled with the Spirit and letting the word of Christ dwell in us. So it's very easy to conclude that the filling of the Spirit is not some mysterious, mystical experience bestowed on spiritual elite people through some secret formula. How you start doing this and you start doing that and you start doing this and then you'll be filled. It's simply taking the Word of God and letting it dwell in your life. Because the Holy Spirit is never going to contradict the word of God. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you and let the word of God be every part of your being. To be filled with God's spirit is thinking and acting under the spirit's control. To be filled with the spirit is living with the consciousness of Jesus, the personal presence of the Lord Jesus, as if we were standing next to him and letting his mind dominate our life. It is to fill ourselves with God's word so that his thoughts are our thoughts, his standards, our standards, his work, our work, his will, our will. And as we yield to the truth of Christ, the Holy Spirit will lead us to say and do and be what God wants us to say, do, and be. Christ consciousness leads to Christ likeness. It's not emotion. We are emotional people, but your emotions will let you down. Because there will be days that you may not feel like you're saved. <laughs> I don't know what that feeling is. I wasn't saved by my feelings. 
of saved by faith and trust in Jesus. You're filled with the Spirit of God as you let the Word of God dwell in you richly, as you confess the sin in your life and say, Lord, I don't want anything to hinder my walk with you. I don't want anything I say or do to, to um, well, I've forgotten the word, to har- not harm you, to um, quench or grieve. That's the word I'm looking for, to grieve the Holy Spirit as if in verse 30. I don't want you to be grieved in my life. I want to live like you want me to live. I want to follow your leadership. You can't can't allow the Holy Spirit to lead you if you don't ever see what God's word has to say and, and do. Walking involves moving one step at a time and it can be done no other way. Being filled with the Spirit is walking thought by thought, decision by decision, act by act under the Spirit's control. The Spirit-filled life yields every step to the Spirit of God. Not to walk in the Spirit is to walk in the flesh. What is the universal sign of surrender? If somebody puts a gun in your face or you're surrendering, what are you going to do? Put my hands up in the air. Psalm, the book of Psalms, it says, I will lift up my hands before the Lord. It's a position and a posture of total surrender. That's what being filled with spirit is. I surrender my life to you, Lord. You don't need any more of the Holy Spirit than you already have. Don't let anybody ever tell you, well, you just need to be, you just need a little more of the Holy Spirit. No, you've got him in all his fullness. You just need to allow him by being obedient to his word, Allow him to guide you and to be conscious of his presence in your life. And when you do that, all of these other things are going to happen. He puts a new song in your heart. Singing. You may not sing very well or you don't think you do, but God gave you the voice you have and he's proud of it. You ought to use it. Making melody in your heart. We serve a good God. He puts a new song in our heart, a song of joy. Singing and making melody, speaking to one another in the fellowship that we have and giving thanks, even in the midst of all of this stuff we're going through. We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? I think people right now, because of the coronavirus and all of us sequestering ourselves and being locked up. People are thinking of life and death. Everything else has been stripped away. All of the crutches, all of the things that divert us, all the distractions. It's just us and our relationship with God and our relationship to our family. And people are thinking about dying. Now, I'm not expecting you to die, but you know what? If you get this, you could. And people are thinking, if I get this, I could die. And then what? 
Well, the good news is you can be thankful that your Holy, the Holy Spirit lives in you, giving you, you the assurance that you're his child. I can thank God even in the midst of difficulty. He never does leave me. He indwells me. Everywhere I go, the Lord is in me, giving me strength. Well, I appreciate you joining us tonight. I pray that maybe the Lord has spoken to you some way from his word. And as we come on Sunday, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to talk about some hard work and what ministry is. And, and God, did you know God has a ministry for all of you? Every last one of you. Some of you are using it even now during all of this time. Tomorrow afternoon, Thursday at 2 o'clock, if you want to get online or you go to the SouthCrestLive.tv or Facebook Live, Brandon Hayes and myself are going to uh, be on there live answering questions that people have sent in. So you can find out how really dumb we are if you want to watch. Uh, I don't know what questions have been sent in at this point, but we're going to do our best to try to answer some of them that have been sent in. It will be fun. Just something different. Another way that we might be able to, at least you don't have to watch television. You can watch us for a little while. But uh, Sunday, we'll be here at 930 we're going to um, preach live, and then at 11 o'clock, Brandon Hayes will preach live. We're both on the same passage in Colossians chapter 1, so I hope that you'll come. I want to close in prayer, and I want to thank you again for joining us this evening. God, we, we do want to be led by you daily. We want to be under your influence, to live under the influence of your spirit, to be to be intoxicated with your spirit. Not that we do stupid things, but we're led and, and guided by you. And I pray that you would show us your, the areas of our life where we're not in right relationship. There's sin in our life. We want to confess it to you. We want you to guide us in everything that we say and what we think and what we watch and what we do. And we ask for encouragement. We ask for special presence for those who especially feel lonely during this time and ask that you would lead and guide in all that you want us to do. Thank you, Lord, for living in us, for dwelling in us. We ask that you would keep our church family safe, protect them, keep them well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Southcrest Wednesday Night Series featuring Senior Pastor David Wilson. Remember, you can also live stream our Sunday and Wednesday services. Go to southcrestlive.tv for more details or to southcrest.org to learn more about Southcrest Baptist Church. And thanks for listening. <laughs>